everyone to episode six of the Lincoln's podcast, Tax and Stuff. My name is Kim Arnold and I'm a manager here at Lincoln's and joining me today is Caitlin, who is one of my fellow accountants. Hello. Hello. So before we get started, I just need to let you know that the information in today's podcast is of a general nature and does not consider individual circumstances. So please contact your accountant if you have any questions. So just what we're covering today, um, we've got two parts to today's episode. The first one is on a thing called Section 100A, which involves trusts. And the second part, the main part of today's episode is on business structures. Now, I know that sounds particularly technical and not overly exciting, but business structures is one of our most sought after subjects and we are going to try and make it as interesting as possible for you. So let's get into it. So today's mini subject is section 100A, like I mentioned, and that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to any of you, but what it is really about is some new rules about trust distributions. Now, we have a lot of clients who use discretionary or family trusts and the tax office have recently come out with some new rules around those trusts. So they came out in February and it was basically them going, oh, hey, there's these rules that have been around for a while, but we've never really explained them. But this is actually how we're going to take them. And it was a bit of a shock to the accounting world, but after kind of going over them, it's it's not as bad as it sounds. And so that's why I'm going to cover it today. So trusts, if you're actually wondering, first of all, what a trust is, if you maybe not have a trust yourself, we're going to cover that in the business structures. So listen to the rest of the episode to hear about that. Basically, a trust, um, usually you run a business in a trust and at the end of the financial year, you determine what you're going to distribute the business income like who you're going to distribute that um, business income to and it's limited to family members and we split it up amongst family members to make the most of multiple people's uh, lower income brackets so this is definitely still allowed but there's some stricter guidelines that we're going to have to adhere to from now on and that's specifically around who you can distribute to and how much firstly Say it's electrician business, dad's the electrician, he runs most of the business, but mum, you know, runs some of the books and things like that. Mum and dad, spouses, um, there's no issue. You can distribute between the two of you no matter what. There's no rules around that. What it mostly comes around is anyone else. So children or grandparents or anything like that. So with children... If one of your children is working and assisting in the management of the business, then this is okay. You can distribute however much you want to them because the idea is that they are in for the, they will make the most out of the assets of the business themselves as well. However, any other children or family members who do not work in the business or do not have any say in the business, there's some limitations. And that's basically around how much money they actually receive from the business. So within that year, if one of your kids, you've, you know, paid their uni fees for the year and paid for other stuff here and there and it accumulates to $20,000, that's how much you can distribute to them. You can't distribute any more than that. So this only relates for kids over 18 
and you can't back look like you can't look into the um, past so you can't go oh well they went to private school in high school and I paid 100 grand worth of fees over that time once they turned 18 that's when that starts so the other thing to consider is the actual expenses being paid for that person they should really be paid for directly out of the trust and directly to a third party rather than just being paid to the child but yeah so that's a very brief overview of it because this is such a specific subject like a you know case by case basis kind of thing so definitely speak to your accountant if you're hearing this and going uh what i don't really understand how is this going to affect me so yeah talk to your accountant and um otherwise let's get into the main subject so kim as mentioned at the beginning of this episode we will be discussing business structures so business structures come in many forms from sole trader to partnership trust to company so how do you know what the right fit is for you? So we will be discussing the factors to consider when choosing the right structure for your business. This is essential to get right at the start, as structures can be costly to change once your business is up and running. All right, so let's get into Soul Trader, which is the most simplest and cost-effective structure available. So a sole trader is an individual running their own business. You're pretty much the exclusive owner and have the ultimate control of managing the affairs. So to commence operating as a sole trader, you pretty much just need to apply for an ABN, which is an Australian business number, perhaps a business name and a separate business bank account. So all of this is pretty relatively inexpensive to set up and maintain. So at the end of each financial year, all of the business income and expenses are declared in your income tax return. Tax is paid at the same rate of an individual taxpayer. So being a sole trader has its benefits, but is it the right fit for your business? So simplicity is certainly an advantage of being a sole trader, as well as maintaining full control of your business. There's no need to consult with anyone. Decisions can be made quickly and you can attend to the needs of your customers. The flexibility of a sole trader can allow the structure to be easily changed at any point in time. So this change is far less complicated than if you started your business as a company and switched back to a sole trader. As a sole trader, you're not considered an employer of your business and not required to pay workers' compensation on any drawing you take. This is under the assumption you have no employees. However, it is highly recommended that you take out your own personal cover, including income protection insurance, which is tax deductible. There is some disadvantages with operating as a sole trader, being unlimited liability. You are personally liable to pay all the debts and tax obligations of the business. Your personal property and assets could be vulnerable in the event where the business can't pay back its creditors. As well as this, tax planning may become an issue as sole traders cannot split business profits or losses between family members. So when your business starts to make a profit, the business income will be added to your personal income. So what this means is that tax is paid at a higher marginal rate when the combined income is over a certain amount. 
Another disadvantage is that your capacity to raise capital as a sole trader may also be limited. So if your own capital and personal assets are insufficient, it may be difficult to raise a bank loan with your security available. So being a sole trader is simple and cost effective. However, this structure provides the least defense of protecting your personal assets. All right, well, so it really sounds like sole trader, pretty simple, but probably best to touch base with your accountant and make sure it is the right structure for you, particularly depending on the industry you're in. Absolutely. More risky industries probably would want to look at a different structure. Structure. Yeah. That's correct. Hmm. All right, well, we'll jump into partnerships next. So, look, coming from sole trader to partnerships, very similar structure style, very simple and basically a partnership is just two or more individuals bound together by a partnership agreement. Now, a partnership can also involve other types of entities. It could be a partnership of two trusts or a partnership of a company and two individuals or something like that. But for today's purpose, we're kind of just going to cover it on the basis of a partnership of individuals. So with a partnership, as I mentioned, it's bound together by a partnership agreement generally. The profits of a partnership business are distributed through to the partners. So the entity itself does not pay any tax. So, and on top of that, business losses are also distributed to those partners and they can be offset against other personal income. So it's the same thing. You know, a partnership might make 200 grand a year. There's two partners that gets split between the two partners depending on the partnership agreement, but let's say 50-50. That means each of them would have $100,000 each into their tax return as business income. So as I mentioned, a partnership is generally bound together by a partnership agreement, although we see many partnerships that do not have this, but we do really recommend um, a partnership particularly if it's, say, a partnership of two friends. Because what that agreement does is it outlines people's roles, it outlines their responsibilities, what their share of profits are going to be, and just helps in that everyday decision-making between the partners, and also helps if one of those partners decides to leave the business as it sets out the rules around that. So the actual partnership itself, it will need its own tax file number and... ABN, and then you also need to register for other other tax registrations like GST, etc. If you meet those requirements, and then we lodge a tax return at the end of each year. So, like with a sole trader, partners are not considered employees, so no super is required to be paid, nor is any workers' compensation required. But like Caitlin mentioned, definitely consider your own personal insurances. But similar to the sole trader, again, you're able to obtain like loans and debts and you have a little bit more capacity there because you've got two two or more people who you have those assets pulled together to get those loans against. But it means that you're using your personal assets to secure those debts. And that means that your personal assets can be liable for those debts if they can't be paid. So... If one of your partners decides to rack up a massive debt and then run away, you are still the person who could be liable for that. That's why we really talk about having that really strong partnership agreement. So in terms of partnerships, when you say you have a partnership of two people and one of them decides to leave, that partnership actually finishes then. And if you were to 
go on as a sole trainer, you'd actually need to go and get like your own, a new ABN and things like that. Or say if one partner decided to leave and someone was going to replace that partner, that is allowed, but there are definitely rules around that. So there is a bit, the change of ownership rules can be quite restricting in that matter. So just something to consider if you're thinking about this type of structure for your business. All right, and I think next Caitlin's going to cover trusts. That's right, Kim. So now we have discretionary trusts. So in a nutshell, a discretionary trust is a business structure that allows an individual or a company to hold assets for the benefit of others. So the individual or company is known as the trustee and those who benefit are known as the beneficiaries. So the end result is that asset protection is possible and profits can be distributed in the most effective way. So in order to create a trust, you must have a trust deed that sets out the rules for establishing and operating the trust. This type of document is prepared by a solicitor. Subject to state laws, a discretionary trust can only operate up to an 80-year period and will be vested after this point in time. A discretionary trust does not pay tax in its own right, but instead distributes its profits to the beneficiaries of the trust who are taxed at their marginal rates. However, tax office changes regarding the S100A rules have impacted how distributions can be made to beneficiaries. Please refer to our mini subject at the beginning of this episode. The pros of a trust structure are that it has been viewed as an effective way for protecting assets. So using a corporate trustee provides asset protection as it limits the trustee's liability to the corporate entity. Trusts also have a simple reporting requirements, greater flexibility of income distribution, as well as access to significant capital gains tax concessions on the sale of business. Some of the disadvantages in a discretionary trust structure include the difficulty to dissolve or make change to a trust once it's it's established. Beneficiaries don't have legal ownership of any assets and property held in the trust. There is another catch. Tax losses incurred by a trust remained trapped within the trust and cannot be distributed to beneficiaries. So what this means is that the losses that are incurred by a trust are carried forward and offset against assessable income of the trust in calculating the trust taxable income in future years. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I guess the other thing with the trust is because it's a family trust, it's stuck within that family. So you can't on-sell a business with that trust. So, you know, people can't come along and go, oh, I'll buy this business off you and take the trust and its potential carry forward losses with it. So I think that that's, that's something, right. yeah, I think it's something people get a bit confused about, but really losses are trapped in a trust and trapped within that business so just something to consider with that kind of structure for sure all right so um the last structure that we're going to cover is a company and look companies are quite a complicated structure they are a completely separate legal entity so yeah they're just a lot more complicated and i would make sure that if you were going to consider this structure you really speak to your accountant and understand fully how a company works because we they're one of those structures they're great for many reasons but 
they have their disadvantages if people don't understand how it all works. So let's get into it. The way a company is set up is you basically register it with ASIC, which is the Australian Securities Investments Commission. And the company is owned by shareholders. So the shareholders buy shares in the company and then the people who run the company are called directors. So if it was like just an everyday business that you were going to set up, mum and dad own the business, it is likely that mum and dad will each own one share in the company and both of them will be directors of the company. And they are then controlling of the, in control of the company and make those decisions day to day. So a company is a completely separate legal entity, as I mentioned, which means it's able to buy assets in its own name and also that the liability of the company, the shareholders are limited based on the, their share amount. So then, so a company starts running the business and the, I guess the biggest difference with the company is that it actually pays its own tax. So the business makes a profit at the end of the year the company lodges a tax return and it pays tax at a set rate. So not like an um, individual where it's tiered, companies pay tax at a standard rate for all of the income. So there's small business entities, which are basically any company that has less than $50 million in revenue. And from the 1st of July, 2022, their rate is 25%. So 25% across all income, but from the very first dollar. Any company with more than $50 million of revenue in a financial year, they pay tax at 30%. So companies are great for businesses with high profits, but if you're a business that makes quite small profits, say $30,000, you're losing that $18,000, $19,000 of tax-free income. So you're paying tax on the very first cent and that means that generally on smaller profits, you're going to be worse off. The other thing with companies is that losses are held within the company. You can't distribute like losses or anything like that. So basically, if a company makes a loss in a year, it's carried forward to future years to potentially offset future years income. And they're really locked in that company. So if you sell the business, the same business to someone else that is allowed there's no issue with that you can sell it to whoever you want to um, and if they carry on that same business they can actually use those losses however if someone else buys the company and they go off and start a completely different type of business then you cannot use those losses to offset it so some of the advantages of the company is it's very easy to pass on ownership to other people so if you know, mum and dad own the business one share each and they want to sell the business, they can sell it to whoever they want and the, those people can take on the whole company and they just basically sell them their shares and that's how it works and, you know, change of directors and things like that. In addition to that, like, the company is able to take on its own debts so they can, you know, the company is able to go and get, get loans and things like that in its own name rather than having to go through individuals. But as I mentioned at the start, there are definitely some disadvantages to companies. And this is why you need to be very careful if you're choosing this type of structure. So I guess the first one is, it's not easy to draw money out of a company. 
there's a thing called a Division 7A loan. And that's basically where you might own the company and run a business in it that makes great profits. But if you want to take those profits to spend on personal items, they create like a loan, a loan or liability within that company that you have to pay back or you have to take dividends from the company to basically offset that. And those dividends will be income in your own name. So just be really careful with that because it's not like you can go and make a massive profit and just draw all the money out with it, no implications. The other thing is, is that it is a much higher setup and ongoing maintenance cost. So you're going to pay a couple of grand to set it up and you're also going to have yearly annual fees for that company. And lastly, just with a company, there is more reporting requirements. So there's obviously your tax return, but you've also got certain ASIC requirements and things like that. So quite complicated. I've given you a very basic overview of a company, but it's one of those things. If you're thinking about setting one up, please speak to your accountant. All right, Kim. So there's a lot to consider when choosing the right business structure. It is important that all business owners seek professional advice as it can influence everything from your day-to-day operations, your taxes, and how much your personal assets are at risk. So business structures can be costly to change if the right one is not chosen. Getting the right legal and accounting advice from the start is essential. Yeah, look, absolutely. And I know that we're two accountants sitting here going on and on about seeing your accountant. We're not talking about us, like, we're just saying, like, we've seen people go and set up structures before having a chat to us, and it's not always the right choice. So I think what we're basically trying to say is it's really important to speak to someone who you trust, who who understands these kind of structures to make sure that it's the right fit for you and your business. But that's all we've got time for today. As we said, quite a technical subject, not not the most exciting subject, but it is something a lot of you asked for us to cover. And yeah, so that's it for today's episode. But just before we wrap up, as we always do, we thought we'd do a few reminders. And basically, um, this is going to come out right as your March BAS is due if you're lodging electronically. So make sure you've got that done. I hope you've already got your March quarter super um, all lodged. But somehow we're already at the end of another financial year. So, you know, in just a couple of weeks time, you're going to have your June best coming up and then you're going to get everything wrapped up for the end of the year to pass on to us to complete your tax. But yeah, so I guess the last thing to do is if you haven't already talked to your accountant and you're worried about what kind of tax situation you're going to be in at the end of the year, Maybe your business has had a cracking year. Make sure you get in touch with us for some tax planning. But that's it. So we will see you again in July for a very special episode. That's all we can give you at the moment, but make sure you tune in then. 